Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thanks for listening to AFR. Today is Wednesday, November the 17th, in case you're wondering. I'm Tim Wildman again with Ed Vitagliano. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Tim. And that just reminded me I have to call my sister and wish her a happy birthday. My sister's oh. birthday is today. Okay. It's November 17th. Oh, yeah. I got to call my sister. November the 17th, it is. Uh, Fred, good morning. Morning. Kind of late for a card for your sister's birthday. Oh, we don't do cards. Oh. Uh, uh, like brothers and sisters? Nah. My dad's <laughs> the only one who gets a card. <laughs> it is, is, is your card, uh, so you're sending your dad a card? Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, does it include, and his wife sends me one. <laughs> is, is it just a card <laughs> or do you include something in it like... Uh, a restaurant gift certificate or something. No, it's just cards. <laughs> I, I will. I will just. I will say something nice. Uh, uh, you know, I'll write something nice to yeah. my dad. I don't just say, you know, love Ed. I I I like cards. I like getting cards. Yeah. But if it's got in there like a fifty dollar Outback, you know, you like I mean? it even more. I, I remember those. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, sure. Yeah. I remember those. Uh, so. All right. Uh, do we have any guests today, Brent? Brent Creeley, our producer. Steve Tiber, Steve Tiber with Eight Days of Hope will be on with us at 1030. Awesome. They got a lot on going on, Eight Days of Hope. We partner with those guys and have for years. Uh, uh, they do wonderful work. Let's talk with Steve Tiber. Uh, Steve's got a – I don't know if you've ever known anybody with an A personality. You know, there's the A B personality. Steve's triple A. <laughs> He's like a battery. Yeah. So we'll, we'll let uh, we'll let Steve. And he'll be in studio. He he did our devotions this morning. Right, which means there I've... won't be any oxygen left in this that's, room. That's uh, right. I forgot he he mentioned that Eight Days of Hope has been around for 16 years since Katrina, Katrina. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. yeah. That's what a, a a ministry blessed by God that that group is. Now so. when Steve comes in, <clears throat> I. Don't tell him this, okay? I don't okay. think he's listening right now. I love to hear Steve's from Buffalo, New York, originally. Right. And he's going to talk about things that they do, right? Yes. And he'll inevitably bring up the word trailer. <laughs> okay. Okay. I want you to listen to how Buffalo, I guess Buffalo fakes people pronounce trailer. Okay. Trailer, right? You know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. <laughs> trailer, yeah. A trailer. Okay. Just, just. Check it out. All right. All right. All right. Uh, if we all start laughing when he well, said. I, you know, it, 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 may not, it may not even sound humorous to you guys since you're from uh, Canada and Massachusetts originally. Yeah, you're, you're mocking Yankees and, you get, and you're you looking at two of them. You know what? I just them. thought about that. I'm looking at you guys going, you probably say it the same way. Uh, all right. Uh, we uh, got a lot to talk about, Fred, so let's get started. Yeah, uh, yesterday we found out that the U.S. Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals has uh, drawn the card, and, and I'm not kidding. It's actually they draw a ping-pong ball out of a barrel. Like they do for lotteries and Like stuff. they do for lotteries. I, yeah. 
You know, when you think of big courts like that, sophistication. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yesterday they they won the lottery. Uh, all the cases involved in fighting the Biden uh, vaccination mandate. And this involves, what, 84 million Americans yeah. right now. So 84 million Americans are waiting to see. They are The Sixth Circuit is going to hear all of these cases, uh, which are going to be crunched down into. One basic thing is, is this constitutional? This Biden vaccine mandate for uh, employers who have 100 or more employees, and also I think included in that will be uh, medical workers, right? Because it all comes under the same umbrella. Does the federal government of the United States have the right to tell individuals you must get a vaccination, or we're ordering your employer to fire you, or if you don't take the vaccine, that you have to be tested? I think on a weekly basis. There right. are a few exemptions, I'm told, in the OSHA uh, directive, which is 400 pages long. Uh, that if you work from home, uh, that this won't apply to you, that kind of thing. Right. But this is a big deal, folks. We think this is going to happen fairly quickly because the Biden vaccine mandate is scheduled to kick in on January the 4th. So we're assuming Sixth Circuit and then probably eventually, gentlemen, to the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, as you said, it, it, the, the question about constitutionality is going to uh, apparently be solved if this goes to the Supreme Court. Also, does OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, does it have the congressional mandate? It's, it has, I mean, there are regulations and laws governing the operation of OSHA. Is this within its purview? And then uh, other questions are going to be asked. Is this, since the Biden administration issued this through OSHA under its emergency powers, is this really an emergency? Yeah. Is there any other way to do this? Mm -hmm. So hope we're we're kind of hoping that a lot of the science will be discussed as well when it goes before the Supreme Court. Is there any other way to lessen the impact of COVID in our country other than the vaccine? Mm-hmm. That's the argument the Biden administration has has been making, along with Dr. Anthony Fauci, all of them. They have all been saying, no, the vaccine is the only answer. Well, hopefully we'll find out if that's true. Uh, Ed, you weren't here yesterday, but we were discussing the the fact that there is growing evidence and cases where people who have been fully vaccinated, both shots, uh, are now getting COVID again. Yes. And so, and then there's talk of the CDC and Dr. Fauci redefining what fully vaccinated it is because now you have to have the booster. Uh, the order that came out from OSHA doesn't talk about boosters. Right. So this this is getting more complicated as time goes on because if you want to follow the science, we are now learning more and more. There's so many cases of fully vaccinated people getting COVID and spreading COVID. Right. So people... Oh, yeah. What's the point? What's the point of vaccination if it's the same as not being vaccinated? Listen, uh, COVID's uh, spreading all over New England. Yes. And uh, the upper Midwest right now. Pardon. Yes, and uh, Vermont is one of those. Uh, we're just waiting for. Tim, yeah. Pardon Tim me. To sneeze. I had to do a non-COVID <laughs> sneeze there. Uh, in case you guys were wondering, not that you care. You've already been inoculated uh, many ways. 
Uh, you know what? Uh, the uh, uh, you know the the COVID shots from last spring, last summer that uh, millions of Americans got. The uh, effectiveness of those are waning, mm-hmm. and thus uh, vaccinated people uh, are spreading COVID every day all over the Midwest and in New England, the Upper Midwest. Because uh, this is uh, to me, this is probably a lot of what was in the South in the summer. Now it's you can watch the map; it spreads across the country in California and such. Doesn't matter whether you have mask mandates, stay inside. You stay inside, uh, you can stay inside, and guess what? When you come back outside, right. there it is again. I'm not talking about literally outside. I'm talking about when the, if you lock down a, uh, a place, yes, you may keep COVID from spreading for a while, but once you open back up, boom, there it is again. So uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have, if you're going to be consistent with uh, the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the, these folks who push for the uh, you know, the shots, they're going to have to require, you're going to have to redefine what it means to be fully vaxxed because the, vac- the vaccines are not working mm-hmm. like they did. And as every week goes on, they become less and less effective. I'm talking about those original shots from last spring and summer. Now, here's the thing that's going to be interesting to watch. Are the people who participated in the vaccine campaign from the spring and the summer who thought they were getting those shots and that then, and then be done with it. Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of what people were led to believe. Yes. Right? right. That was, that was the science at the time. Remember that? Oh yes. Right. We're always told to follow the science. And then six months later, guess what? The science changed. Mm. And the people who challenged the science originally were called flat earthers. <laughs> and then they're proven to be right a year later in a lot of cases, but I digress. So what you got going on here is if you redefine what it means to be fully vaxxed, then you're going to lump millions and millions and millions of, of Americans back into the unvaxxed category <laughs> and subject them to the, hey, this is going to get complicated here, forced vaccination or lose your job category category. Yeah. Which, which is at some, at some point, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. At some point you're going to, you're going to be potentially be punishing a majority of Americans. So are we going to be, are we going to be firing each other? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, because the, the statistics show that uh, I'm just going to round up. So 59% of Americans have been vaccinated. Uh, the majority of that who have not been vaccinated are children and young people. Adults, if you just look at adults, uh, roughly 80% of American adults have been vaccinated. That's a pretty high percentage. 80% you say? 80%. So, uh, so you're saying, okay, so 20% would be fall under the punishment, the coercion of this a Biden mandate. Right. But to your point, if they change what it means to be fully vaccinated, it's not going to be 20% because now you're going to be talking about 40 to 50, 80% right. saying, you know, saying, I don't want to go get these boosters right. for the rest of my life. Right. right. I'm not getting a, another shot. Now right. you're going to be, I getting- was a good sport to start with, That's right. but, but I'm not signing up for uh, boosters on Fauci demand. Yeah. So do, are those people going to be, 
faced with losing their jobs too? Like you well, said, if you gonna... follow the, uh, the, the mandate of Biden, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, so this is, uh, and this doesn't, all that I, we just talked about doesn't even address the fundamental question of the constitutional question, which the court will be taken up the appellate court, sixth circuit, and then the Supreme court, no doubt. And that is the bottom line question here. Does the president of the United States have the constitutional authority to force an American citizen to inject their bodies with an experimental vaccine? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> That's the bottom line question, really, that the court will have to answer, and we'll have to see uh, how that goes. Yes. It, it's uh, This is an Associated Press story on this a story of the Sixth Circuit now going to take this. Here's one paragraph, very interesting. Because it's an unusual rule from the Workplace Safety Agency, that's referring to OSHA, there is no consensus among lawyers on how the challenges will go. OSHA has issued 10 emergency rules in the half century since it was formed. Of the six challenged in court, only one survived. Right. So they don't have a good record of trying to force employees to do something. Also, OSHA wasn't designed to be the health department. Right. No. Okay. They're for safety. Yeah. Uh, they're they're for wearing a, a hard hat inside of a a, a uh, con- on a construction site. That yeah. kind of thing. Or, yeah. po- kind or of, pollution in the air conditioning yeah, the, system. Yeah. Right. You're, sub- you're subjected. OSHA is designed to protect workers from being subjected to uh, dangerous situations having to do with their workstations, basically, and their workplaces. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like the examples you just got, you guys said, um, the, uh, I think of the coal miners back in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Th- they didn't know a lot of the dangers they were right. being subjected to. Or or mm-hmm. asbestos. I think maybe the last time they did this, they uh, OSHA issued one of these emergency rules, was in the 80s, I think, for asbestos yeah. in in the work environment. Mm-hmm. So, and we, and we have talked about, now, now folks, the reason we're bringing this up again is because the Sixth Circuit has been tasked now with hearing all the different lawsuits that have been filed against the Biden mandate in a, a lot of states and a lot of uh, American Family Association, one of those who sued uh, over this issue. So that's why we're discussing this again. So the Sixth Circuit will uh, basically take all these cases and will decide it. Then it'll probably go to the uh, to the Supreme Court. Also, as Abraham Hamilton III, our, our, our attorney here, has uh, our general counsel has brought up before, one of the aspects we, in our, in our uh, court filing with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals was, why is it that just, um, vac- why is it that just, unvaccinated people have to be subjected to testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as we know now, the science yeah. is proving that uh, people who've had the COVID shots spread the virus just like people who are unvaccinated. Right. Spread the virus. Yeah. So why do you do, why, why is one group uh, not, uh, what you know, that's unequal treatment, yes. right? Yes. If your concern is about spreading the virus, you should say, yes, all people must be tested. Yeah. All people must be tested. All right. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. If you want to send us an email, 
Uh, the address is comments at AFR.net, comments at AFR.net. If you want to watch online, go to Facebook or YouTube and type in Today's Issues. Facebook or YouTube and type in Today's Issues, and you can watch us uh, do the program live here. And at Facebook, we post the stories that we discuss. Fred, next topic. Well, the jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse case um, spent several hours discussing the case yesterday. And last evening, they went to the judge and said, we're all tired. We want to go home. Uh, they are now back uh, considering uh, the facts in the case again. I'm quite shocked, given what I heard during the days of the trial, when even the prosecution witnesses and their videos that they showed seemed to back the argument from the defense that Kyle Rittenhouse was defending himself when he shot those three individuals. Uh, even the mainstream liberal media said the prosecution witnesses actually helped Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, that's the big question. Was he acting in self-defense? Was he attacked? The video showed in all three cases he was attacked by the individuals he shot. So that's why uh, some people are very surprised that they didn't take a couple of hours yesterday and find him not guilty. Uh, so they're back at it again uh, today. Uh, Tucker Carlson dealt with this last night why they were going into a second day. Now, it is his speculation that there is some fear amongst the jurors that if they vote to acquit Kyle Rittenhouse, there is a bunch of people that are planning to perhaps violently protest in the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin, where this is all taking place, because all of this goes back to a riot last summer uh, when a white police officer uh, shot but did not kill a black man who had a warrant out for his arrest. His girlfriend slash wife had called the police. Remember, this is going back to remind you what this case is all about. And uh, had called the police because Blake is the name of the, the gentleman uh, was threatening to come over and take one of the children. And the cops went after him. He pulled a knife on the cop. The cop shot him, shot him in the back. Uh, and he suffered a wound uh, because of that. The Shot cop, him multiple times. No, he yes. suffered more than a wound. He was in the hospital paralyzed, I yes, think, from the yeah. waist down, right? But the police officer was found not guilty of doing right, anything because, wrong. Yes, that's yeah. right. Because he had a knife. Yeah, he was coming like, at him. With a knife. All right, so here we are. Uh, last night, as I say, Tucker Carlson dealt with why, why the reluctance. And it really has to do, Tucker Carlson feels, and I, I tend to agree with him, that uh, these jurors, at least some of them, and we're hearing reports, there's at least a couple of these jurors are very afraid that if they vote to acquit Kyle Rittenhouse, who, by the way, is a white young man, the three people he shot were white. Right. Some people have tried to turn this into a racist issue. That is not the case. So here he is, Tuck Carlson, talking about this, the idea that maybe some of these jurors are afraid to acquit uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Why is it taking so long for this jury to produce a very obvious verdict? Want the answer? Well, look outside the courtroom. There are hundreds of National Guard troops assembled tonight in Kenosha. Why are they there? Well, they've come in case Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted. Not in case he's convicted, in case he's acquitted. At which point, if he is acquitted, pretty much everyone expects the usual mobs of Joe Biden voters to burn and loot and destroy. Why does everyone expect this? Because people on the left are openly calling for it. Quote, 
Now that jury deliberation has begun, I think every city in America should prepare for what could happen if Rittenhouse gets acquitted. It may get rightfully unpleasant. That's the message from a teacher, and we checked, an actual teacher from the state of Indiana wrote it on Twitter today, and it echoes what many others are saying tonight. So imagine if you were a juror in this case. How would you feel about this? You're not sequestered. You know how the country feels. You know what the threats are. Well, you might think twice before you acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse, no matter what the evidence was. All right, there you have it. We're not sure that's true. We have some other anecdotal reports that at least two of the jurors apparently are expressing fear that if they acquit Kyle Rittenhouse, that uh, they may be subject to doxing. I, I think it's a, re- a very reasonable fear. First of all, they will... Uh, that decision to acquit Kyle Rittenhouse will result in cities burning again because these radicals, that's all they live for. Some of them, I, I guess, my my expectation is they live in their mother's basements. They get uh, government aid and that they are, you know, maybe get some money from leftist groups. They are professional agitators. But in terms of their own personal safety, let's look at what happened to Members of the U.S. Senate, okay, who don't go along with the far left's demands when it comes to bills being uh, passed, Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Cinema followed into bathrooms, yeah. yelled at in their cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's going to happen to a U.S. senator, you think it's Who's not? A Demo- gonna, who are Democrats? Who are Democrats? You think it's not going to happen to a juror? When they will be doxxed, you know their name and address. All that information will be leaked. Yeah. And you think that they don't have a reasonable expectation that people are going to show up at their house? Well, then they shouldn't. Uh, they should have. Uh, well, could they not have said this on the front end when they were being uh, interviewed? I'm, I'm at, not at, sure you can get out of jury duty if you say that. Okay. I, 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 well, the I, long, maybe, maybe you yeah. can't. I don't know. So, 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 and he, the Rittenhouse mm-hmm. is being, uh, are there multiple charges to consider here? Well, the most serious charge, there's two of the people he shot died and one was wounded. So there is, there is the, the case, they don't call it murder for, in the first degree. They call it something else uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, so there is that charge, but I think there are a couple of other charges too. Yeah. Well, we'll see if they, uh, if they don't release a verdict today, then you're, then uh, the, you know, the longer they go, the more that you think they're going to convict him of something. Either am I, that or am I could, right? Well, yeah. either that or you could have a hung jury. You know, what does you, that mean? Oh, well, you mean you have to do the whole thing over again? You'd have to do the whole thing over again. Or the judge. I wonder if the judge could come back and say, well, I dismissed this case with prejudice. Well, I, my understanding is that and states can differ, but I think generally a judge can, a judge can actually overrule a jury. Yes, under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well, if the, these if these prosecutors, the way they've been behaving, and disregarding the judge's, uh, you know, orders, clear instructions. Yeah, instructions. I mean, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, if perhaps we'll have a decision today in that uh, in that Kyle Rittenhouse case. We've got about a minute left. You got anything? Uh, you got anything good in that stack there oh, you got for you? Oh, we do. There was, uh, I think we're going to have to wait until after the break on this, though. Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, confronting DHS Secretary Mayorkas yesterday. Yeah, we don't want to rush through that one. No. Yeah, we got to hold we, that. Yeah, we got to get back to that one. Sending, 
Thanksgiving greetings to <laughs> no. the secretary? I think 180 <laughs> degrees to that. Uh, okay, so we're, we're not even going to get into that because it, we need to spend tell, some time tell the whole story. Yes. Also, Steve Tiber from Eight Days of Hope, a ministry most all of you are familiar with. Steve will give us an update on what's happening with Eight Days of Hope. That's So that's coming up after the break as well. So stay with us. We'll see you back here in a couple of minutes. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. A vacation with a purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's what some of our folks have called our spiritual heritage tours, which we're going to be doing again in 2022. Let me tell you what we do. We go on a trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We see early American history there. And then we go to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. We do these in June and September. They're perfect weather months in that part of the country. Stephen McDowell, who is a historian and author of America's Providential History, he will be our expert on the trip. So we'll have a historian joining us on these tours. It's going to be a wonderful time together in our nation's capital and in Colonial Williamsburg in 2022. June and September. If you want to go, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Everyone's goals for advancing their education look different. At Liberty University, we've helped thousands of students like you earn their dream degree. So no matter what your goal is, we can help you get there. With over 450 degrees from the associate to the doctoral level to choose from, most of which are 100% online, you'll find what you need to succeed. To discover which degree might be the best fit for you, text DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. When the Atlanta Braves won the big game, fans celebrated at the hottest restaurant in town, Waffle House. Teenager Andrew Mack and his buddy showed up at the Waffle House in Cherokee County. Turns out just about the rest of the county did, too. The place was literally overrun by hungry fans. Three of the diner's five workers failed to show up that night, leaving only a waitress and the fry cook. Now, most people would have gotten back into their pickup trucks and found another place, but not Andrew. The teenager and his buddies stepped up to the plate, taking orders, sweeping floors, bussing tables, and washing dishes. The Cherokee County Commission got wind of what the boys had done. They issued a special proclamation for the team players who came out of the bullpen and saved the game, or in this case, the Waffles. Andrew shrugged off the accolades, says he did what he was raised by his mama to do. That's how things work in the South. I'm Todd Stearns. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Net. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. All right, uh, let's finish this story that we haven't ever started. Okay. Uh, yesterday, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, uh, It was the scene was a Senate Judiciary Committee. The guest of honor was the uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Mayorkas, and Ted Cruz. See the ball-headed fella? With yes. That, uh, <clears throat> yes. That always looks has a blank stare on his face. <laughs> kind were, of, especially when he's being questioned by Ted Cruz. Okay. Right. So Ted Cruz just had a series of questions for the secretary. Uh, kind of along the line, like, has Biden been He's down? in charge of the border. He's in that's, charge of the that's border. That's why he's appearing before Congress. So, we know what's happening at the southern border. This is why he's up there. Go so ahead. let's have a little listen to some of the conversation okay. between okay. the senator and uh, my orcas yesterday okay. cut two. It's a simple question. How many children have been in those cages? Uh, I, I respectfully am not familiar with the term cages and to what you are referring. There are enclosures in which they are locked in. In the past year, has Joe Biden been down to see firsthand the Biden cages? Yes or no? The president has not been down to. Okay, the no. Has Kamala Harris been down to see the Biden cages, this facility? She has not. Well, there you have it. And, and it. It went downhill from there, uh, <laughs> but the bottom line in all of this is uh, no, no. They were they were cages when Trump was president, right? Yes. Now they're holding facilities. Yes, but <laughs> yes. who built those facilities or something Obama. like it? Obama. Obama built them. Right. All right? right. But he said he's not familiar with the f- term cages. I find that hard to but believe. But the Biden administration is, <laughs> as far as those cages go, he's going to build them back better. <laughs> So I think people need to understand that's what that infrastructure money could go to. That's right. A little tongue-in-cheek there. Bigger cages because probably by the end of the year, you'll have about 2 million people who have crossed the border since right. Biden did away with the wall. Right. Uh, I mean, the welcome mat is open building it. across our southern border. Right. Uh, they're coming in freely. And the stuff that's going on right now, folks, I you, you won't see this in the mainstream media. Illegal drugs pouring into this country, and this this is reports from the from the border people. We're talking when when Trump was there. We're talking about a hundred pounds fentanyl, that sort of thing. It's coming in by the tons now, by the tons. And there's there's and human human, human trafficking. trafficking. All of this is occurring. The mainstream media doesn't want to cover this aspect of it. He was also asked, my orcas yesterday, what about uh, this, what we're hearing? We're going to give those who entered the country illegally hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, because they were separated from their children. 
because and the reason they were separated from the children was the same way during the Obama years because they couldn't prove they were the actual parents of these kids. Right. All right. Upwards of what? Four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, four hundred fifty thousand dollars per member of those families. They could get a million bucks. Mayorkas was asked about that yesterday by Senator Ted Cruz, and Mayorkas said, "I'm really not involved with that. You'll have to talk to the Justice Department. I don't know anything about it." That's this, a lie. This is the stuff that's just driving people crazy <clears throat> right now. By the way, before we move on, I, I want to hear Fred say Secretary Mayorkas's first name. Alejandro. Hey, you've been working on it. Well, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm I was ready for you, Ed. <laughs> how you, good for you. Well, how do you pronounce that name? Alejandro. Well, now, see, now the more he does it, the, the worse it gets. But. Uh-huh. <laughs> Spell it, Fred. <laughs> no, we don't. We, we want well, Fred, to, talk about we want Fred to come back tomorrow. Okay? Spell it off the top of your head. <laughs> no. <clears throat> I was just ready for Mr. Ed. That's yeah. all. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Yeah, let's go with that. He's had that joke whole life Fred. mr ed mr. yeah yeah really yeah he's yeah two okay. ed, two eds are better than one <laughs> let's move <Two>. on <laughs> uh, for the for the younger people in the audience yeah that goes way back <laughs> yeah. folks Just google it yeah mr ed oh yeah it's timeless <laughs> mr ed the talking horse just google that folks it's a classic you young, you young people <laughs> Like people under fifty. <laughs> yeah, you young people, you young, you youngsters, defined as. Yeah. All right, um, all right. Our brother Steve Tiber, founder and president of Eight Days of Hope, is in studio with us today. He's in Tupelo. Good morning, my brother. Hey guys, good morning. How are you? You're not only informative, but yeah. this is like a comedy show as well. <laughs> so I, I don't so, know if I'm going to be as funny as you guys are, but. <laughs> Tim over here eating well, his popcorn. You guys yeah, got well, me cracking up I, left and right. We are legends in our own minds, <laughs> okay. Steve. So. Now, I have been criticized by some of our listeners slash viewers for eating popcorn during the show. So, <laughs> Okay. I, they, they so are, I was kidding. It's unprofessional in some people's minds, but it's okay. uh, not mine. But I do have a uh, button here there which should prevent people from hearing me. Cool. I am being more sensitive to that. But let me tell you something. Uh, popcorn... Or fentanyl, you tell me. <laughs> oh, uh, which you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm going with popcorn. Uh, uh, okay? Good choice. So if I get criticized for popcorn, so be Some it. people just got to criticize. I know. Tim. They they get know? up every morning going, "How can I?" Yeah. Find fault with others. I, I just love hanging yeah. around with those yeah. kind of people. All right, Steve. Uh, eight days yeah. of hope, man. What, you guys what a year. have been tearing it up now oh. since uh, what a year, but since since. Since 2001, yeah. since Katrina, that's yeah. when... 16 years, Temp. Think yeah. about that. Is that that's, amazing? Yeah. That's, 2005. Yes. 2005. Oh, excuse me. Probably. Yeah. I was thinking about 9-11. 2005. Right. Here we are today, and the mission is uh, continuing uh, to expand. Yes. And wow. uh, you were sharing with our staff this morning here about an element of Eight Days of Hope, maybe that a lot of folks don't know about. Right. And that is the... Uh, the sex trafficking safe homes that you got. Yeah, we, we call it our safe house ministry. You know, two years ago, Tim, you know, Eight Days Hope has, has traveled the country. We've responded to 60 disasters in 16 years. 45,000 volunteers have now rebuilt 7,555 homes for free, all in the name of Jesus. And, and the volunteer base is so committed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When God opened up the door for us a couple of years ago to use our gifts to build facilities for ministries 
that are provided in a safe place for those who've been rescued from sex trafficking. How do you ignore that? This is the fastest growing crime in the world. You know, when people think it's New Orleans, it's New York City, it's Vegas, you're right. But it's Wichita, Kansas. It's Erie, Pennsylvania. It's um, Akron, Ohio. I mean, it's everywhere. And it's it is out of control. And, and to me, this is the perfect time for the church to take our blinders off, admit that there's a problem, admit that, you know, us men, pornography is driving a lot of this, right? Because us men are the main uh, buyers of, of those who've been trafficked. And so, you know, we've been building facilities all around the country. We started in Austin, Texas, uh, Houston, Texas. We've been to Buffalo, New York, Indianapolis, Indiana. We partner with dear friends of the ministries, Frank and Linda Reich. Frank coaches the Colts, built a beautiful facility there. Just finished one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And today we have volunteers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, building our eighth safe house for the eighth different ministry that's providing a safe place for multiple years to those who've been rescued from trafficking. Yeah, now you shared with our staff this morning, which is, this is just heartrending, and this this is a really big deal mm. in terms of this demonic activity that is going on right under our noses oftentimes. But share about, first of all, about the, the median age of girls, well, anyone who's trafficked yes. in this country, and then what happens at these safe houses? What, what, yeah. what, what, what uh, kinds of help do young people get? So it's estimated that eighty-three percent of the people that are trafficked in America are American citizens. Eighty-three mm. percent. So I know before I became, I'm not an expert, but before I learned a lot last two years, I'm thinking it's. It is some people crossing the border. Right. It is some people that come over from an Asian country or a, a third world country and ends up being trafficked or labor trafficked or sex trafficked. But 83% of people that are trafficked in America are, are citizens. $150 billion a year is spent on trafficking in America every year. Next to drugs, that's the second highest amount of dollars for an illegal transaction. Children are being trafficked like never before. The average age of a child, and I'm sensitive that right now you might be driving down the road with kids in the, in the back seat, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it up here, 10,000 feet, not get into the details, but an average age of a child that's trafficked in America is between 12 and a half and 13 years of age. So think about it. Every time a 15-year-old is trafficked, they ran away from home. They were groomed by someone in school. Uh, someone was on a gaming site or social media site. Parents know what your kids are looking on their phones. More on that in a minute. But for every 15-year-old that's trafficked, there's an 11-year-old being trafficked as well. In order to get that 13-year-old yes. average. Yes. Yeah. And so it's estimated in the state of Texas alone, and this number is going to blow your mind. Today, it's estimated that every day in the state of Texas alone, that over 70,000 underage kids are being trafficked somewhere in the state of Texas. That's one state. And yet, you know, there's 13,000 animal shelters in America. Good thing, right? We all like our pets. There's only 600 rooms that a child can go into, shut the door, and know that doorknob is not going to be turned without their permission. And that they get the physical, emotional and spiritual help they need. So like the refuge in Austin, Texas, to answer your question, Ed, they provide a safe place for children who've been rescued from trafficking. You just can't send the child back to their parents. I mean, they just went through, this is traumatic right. for everyone. 
they offer free emotional help. They have counselors that use TBRI program from, from TCU. They offer physical support. OBGYNs and dentists and doctors provide help. They have an on-site pastor, a, a, a man and a wife, modeling what a true marriage looks like, what a, a man walking with the Lord, what God has in store for them. And they can stay there for multiple years free. Some of them are getting a college education provided by the University of Texas. So the, the refuge in Austin is our model that we're going to use so we're partnering with the founder of, of the refuge, Brooke Crowder. She's going to work with us and some other organizations. And our hope and goal is that we will build facilities around the country starting in 2022 for free for a ministry to provide hope to those feeling hopeless. You know, uh, let me just say this one thing. And then, Fred, if you have a question, jump in here. But uh, by the way, folks, we're talking with Steve Tiber, founder and president of Eight Days of Hope. And this is a ministry that is expanding. And we're discussing with Steve about the uh, part of that expansion of Eight Days of Hope that is incorporating safe houses for young people who have been trafficked uh, in the sex trafficking industry. But a lot of a lot of people probably think that now they're hearing more about it over the last sure. decade. But sure. for a long time, probably thought that slavery was a thing of the past. But mm-hmm. I, I, I remember preaching one time on this subject with uh, my church in the Book of Revelation when it talks about the uh, the activities of Babylon and the harlot. It lists the things that Babylon trafficked in, and it says trafficked in human beings. Mm. So this is this is not just first century. It's not just when slaves uh, we had slaves in this country. To the end of the age, there will be people who traffic in human beings for a variety of reasons. Like you said, there's economics, slavery as well. But folks, you can't turn a blind eye to this. No. You can't You can't ignore the suffering that goes on with these young people. And so before mm-hmm. I turn over, Fred, how would people get in touch with you if they say, listen, I, yeah. we want something in our community Amen. or we want to give? First of all, we ask people to pray. Pray for the volunteers of 8 Days Hope. I and mean, right now, today, we're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We'll be there this Saturday. We're finishing our eighth project. We have multiple projects we'll be announcing in January next year, some that will take months to do. They can get involved with the ministry, 8daysofhope.com. Email us at safehouse at 8daysofhope.com. Let us know you want, want to be uh, a part of this. But if you're a ministry out there and this is what you do and you you need an expansion of, of your facility, if you need a new building built, if, if you have plans and, and the, the stumbling block is, you know, how do you raise another million dollars to do this? Please go to our website, 8dayshope.com, fill out an application. We'll reach out to you and let's see what God does because um, he's been moving through his people. Just in case at this moment, if, if there's a young gal mm-hmm. listening and they want to know how to get from that terrible situation they're in right now to what you're talking about. Now, I know there are limited facilities across the country Absolutely. right now. But is there a number they could call right now yeah. to try to get some help? So I'll tell you right now, we'll give you our number. And, and our number is area code 662-844-6984. We will connect you with a ministry that will provide hope to you, that will provide physical care emotional care, spiritual care, and, and you won't be charged a penny. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in a lot of traffickers, the first thing they do is they get those who they're trafficking hooked on drugs. And so we have treatment facilities at no charge that will help you start that journey. People that will pray with you, 
help you come alongside you. We have many friends, unfortunately, that are, are doing this because the need is so real. And back to your point, Ed, I think one of the things, too, so again, our number, 662-844-6984. This is not a fun topic to talk about on a Sunday morning in right. the pulpit. You have kids out there. You have grandkids out there. What do you say? How do you say it? How do you present? But this is the perfect time for the body of Christ to say, we know that this is happening. We know this is in our backyard, and enough is enough. We're going to stop this. Guys, I have five kids, and I know that some of you have grandkids here in this room. Right. Think about for a moment. I met a young lady, real quick story. She was the captain of her cheerleader team, in charge of her Bible study in her school, homecoming queen, straight-A student. She goes to Panama City on her graduation trip and gets tricked by someone she met on social media. Within a span of 12 hours, they took her to Houston, Texas. They put six tattoos on her body. They branded her. And her father found her six days later. She was hooked on heroin. She had been abused sexually. She was branded. And her world was turned upside down. People, you're listening today. This is happening in America. Now, not every story is is. It's not not every story is like the movie Taken. Right. A lot of these kids that get trafficked are being trafficked by people they know. Sometimes relatives. These are kids. Right. Oh my gosh, church, please pray for the ministries out there that are trying to be on the front lines. Come alongside Eight Days of Hope. If you're gifted with your hands, you're a contractor, handyman, handywoman, come serve with us. Go to the website, eightdayshope.com. But we've got to put an end. This is happening in our backyard. We've got to put an end to this travesty. And men, last thing, pornography. Pornography is driving this. Right. We all have access to porn. I'm 60 years old. I still have a filter on my computer. Then my wife gets a report every week. We all are one step away from going down that slippery slope. If you're listening today and you're caught up in pornography and you're the only one that knows, please reach out to someone at your church, a, a friend, confess, seek help. Pornography is driving a big part of How, this. How's the, what's the pornography sex trafficking connection just for those who are wondering? Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of so for any addiction, it starts out here, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, an alcoholic, one drink, two drinks, I get drunk one day, three days, then, you know, it's got to keep getting, they're always looking to fill their, their latest need. And so a por- someone who's hooked on pornography, their third year of pornography addiction does not look like their first year. And they're trying to look for their next high. And then they start acting out some things that they never thought they would act out. And it could be purchasing sex from someone who you know is being trafficked. So there's one lady I met. Mm-hmm. Tim, she was chained to a bed eight times every night. That doorknob turned. And so many men who are caught up in this illusion of what sex, sex is a gift from God for our marriage. Right. And yet, we, we make that first simple mistake, it leads to another, but and it escalates. Just, just to just further make the connection, what you're saying is the girls and women in, in, used in pornography are uh, oftentimes being sex trafficked. Absolutely. That, that's what you're saying. That's, and so you're saying, when, you're saying when men uh, view pornography, they are participating in that girl's 
and, and, slavery, so to speak. Yes, and it's not, not necessarily always. Some of it's paid for, but I mean, you right. know what I'm saying. But it starts there, Tim. But then, then a year, two years later, they visit the massage parlor. Okay, but then you're saying the, that man who started out Becomes in pornography on the computer screen may end up in right. being involved in the in, in, in an the actual prostitution. prostitution. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. That's the connection there. Absolutely. You uh, know, you go down and think about. You know, we go. We do a lot of disaster relief in Texas, and I don't want to pick on that state, but. The, you know, we've done three facilities in Texas. Think about all the strip malls you go down and you see massage. I mean, right next to, like, a restaurant. Right. And people are going in there, and they're not going in to get a therapeutical 60-minute massage because they're a runner or they're an athlete or they're recovering from an injury. These are happening. These places are all over the country. Mm. Why do we allow this? Right. Why are we as a church saying, that's that? I don't want that in my hometown of Buffalo, New York, or in Tupelo, Mississippi. Or in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, what's your website again, Steve? Eight. Sorry, guys. Eight oh, days of hope.com. You oh. guys were. I, I know you were having so much fun, and this is a oh, tough no, no. topic. We 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 do that. That's that's typical here. Okay. We have well. some fun, and then we get <laughs> okay. into serious things. Well, pray right. for the ministry of Eight Days of Hope. Go to eightdaysofhope.com. Come serve with us. So now, thankful for American Family I Radio. I promised our, our listeners early, Steve, that we were going to interview you. Okay. And I, I, when you. When you when eight days of hope goes around the country, what do you use? What do you travel with? That's what I'm going somewhere with this, Steve. You what don't do know I where I'm going with, with this. Our listeners, are, yeah. What do you travel with? What do you pull on the truck, Steve? Oh gosh, we pull trailers. Okay, all right. We have dozens and dozens of trailers. Yeah, trailers. Yeah. This is a setup, Steve. Okay. This is a setup. All right. So God has blessed us with three and a half million dollars of equipment all paid for. We pulled trailers, shower trailers, 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 feeding trailers. And and how do you pronounce it, Tim? Uh, Well, Steve, the rest of America calls them them trailers. Okay. 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 He did tell us before you came in, he said, we're going to do this, Steve. So 40 years living in New York, 20 years in Mississippi, that's as good as it gets. Trailers. That is a a unique blend there. We're pulling a trailer, y'all. Oh, man, you guys are too much. All right, thank you, Steve. Guys, thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Appreciate it. Praise God. All right. You're listening to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Tim with Ed. I'm glad you didn't Fred. forget that. Huh? I'm glad you didn't forget I know. that. That's what <laughs> I, I told folks. Uh, I wanted I wanted him to hear Steve pronounce the word trailer. Uh, you know, as often as he's come here, yeah. I don't ever remember yeah. thinking, what? What did he just say? But now, now I won't be able to that, avoid it. Well, that's I'm kind of gifted in that way. Yes. I, kind of I can't notice, unhear that. Uh, small, I notice small things like that. All right, Fred, next. Well, you know, uh, we're based, our home base here is in Mississippi. And uh, so let's talk about the governor of this state. He made a very important announcement the other day. And uh, as Christians, as people concerned about our kids, uh, very proud of Governor Tate Reeves. He released his fiscal year 2023 budget proposal uh, earlier this week. And in there, a recommendation that the teaching of critical race theory be eliminated from taxpayer-funded schools. Under a section in the budget proposal titled Improving Education, Reeves headlined a section, quotation, eliminate critical race theory, and outlined how he believed the teaching to be a, and this is a quotation, folks, from the governor of Mississippi, a vicious lie. That's the way he termed it. So, 
other governors, other states, you ought to take a page out of this book. This is dangerous teaching. We're seeing it being manifested all over this country. We know from Loudoun County and Virginia, uh, we just were exposed to that through the summer, what was going on there behind the scenes. Parents found out, this is one good thing about the pandemic, they found out what their kids were being taught in school because the kids were at home looking at a computer. Mom and dad were looking over their shoulder and saying, wait a minute, right. what is this being taught? You know, that if you're born a white kid, that you're an oppressor. If you're born a black kid, that you're among the oppressed automatically. And so kudos to uh, the governor of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, for putting this in writing as part of a budget that any school, and that's most public schools, that are getting taxpayer funding, that it's not going to be allowed critical race theory teaching. Well, of course, the defenders of CRT, critical race theory, are, uh, I guess they think people, parents are idiots. Their their arguments are, number one, it's not being taught. Oh, yeah. And what's happening is that the words critical race theory are often not being used, but the ideas of CRT are being taught. And so they're saying it's not being taught. And then they are arguing that uh, what this is is racism on the part of white parents who don't want the uh, the the worse the uh, darker sides of our history being taught in terms of what's happened in terms of slavery and Jim Crow laws and what's happened to Native Americans so on and so forth which is absolutely not true either because I I remember when I was going to school I'm sure it's the same we were taught about slavery we were taught about Jim Crow we were taught about all these things. What they are doing, though, is is what you're saying, is they're not just wanting to teach about slavery. They are wanting to teach that whiteness itself is a sickness, and whites are always racist and can't change. Yes. And that white kids should feel guilty about being born white. And don't buy this idea. We're not teaching critical race theory. One of the moms in Loudoun County, Virginia, took the time to get the books that are being used right. in the school. It's being taught. And they're filled with critical race theory. Yep. All right. We're going to take a short time out right here. <clears throat> um, Steve Jordan will be with us in five minutes. Fred, thank you for your... I'm heading to my trailer. Your trailer. <laughs> your trailer. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.